Brian called me fat because I ate Oreos a little bit earlier. I didn't call you fat. It's only 320 calories. You don't know what else I've eaten today. Chili. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little bowl of chili. I'm just saying, nice. man, when you're in the middle of a, a challenge uh, that could mean that you will get your belly button pierced with sharp things, Oreo's probably not the best uh, solution uh, to it. You're right about that. But uh, I'm more counting calories at this point. And that's 320. Okay, so 320 plus, let's say, 500 for the bowl of chili. I'm sitting at 820 today. I had an 120-calorie little thing of yogurt, so I'm close to 1,000. How, oh. ma- how much sugar is in that uh, packet of Oreo cookies? Not important. 412 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I came to realization this weekend. That's right, realization. This weekend that I am not going to have the six-pack by the time I need to have the six-pack. Well, I'm going to keep working at it, but I'm not thinking it's happening because I drank 15 beers as my West Virginia Mountaineer stomped Oklahoma. And then I celebrated all night long drinking more beers. That's a lot of calories. That's like 3,000 calories in just beer. Yeah, just in case you were wondering, 25 grams of total carbohydrates in there. Not worried about that. And 14 grams of sugar. Not worried about that. 320 calories. That's it. <laughs> the only thing that matters. I think I'm F, though. And, in <laughs> fact, I am F. Dude, you're so getting pierced. I'm so getting pierced. Yeah, you But are. I'll look good for the piercing is the thing. All right. Like, my stomach's fine. It's not, it's not great. Yeah, you're not, you're not like, in total disheveled disrepair no, right now. No, no not at no. all. I'm, I'm in... I don't know. I don't know how to categorize myself. I would say I'm not a dad bod... Because I think dad bod, you got to have like a beer gut. You're, you're in much better shape. Yeah, than dad bod. Uh, see, that's what I think. Yeah. But I'm also not as in good a shape as Brian, and I'm not in as good a shape as people on TV. No, you're you're in much better shape than Al Roker. That's true. And but, Oprah. But black don't crack. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. You can repeat common phrases. I think. <laughs> Some guy called up. During the break, he goes, yo, is this show broadcast in Wheeling or in Pittsburgh? Well, the answer, sir, is Pittsburgh. Because we wouldn't have a show in Wheeling that we would also broadcast broadcast to Pittsburgh. Only 1420WJAS does that. Doesn't make sense. Tail wagging dog, so on and so forth. But Joe was trying to explain to this man that we do a show here, and it's syndicated in Wheeling, and the guy's phone either broke up or something, or he just didn't understand, and he flipped out on Joe. You're so immature, and then he hung up the phone. Do people just think we're messing with them as a show now? Like, it, it's happening on the air. Like, people you're, people are trying to have a conversation with you when you're getting waxed, and all of a sudden he hangs up on you because you, you know, you're yelling at the waxing. It's funny, man. I think people think we're, like, kind of mean. I'd almost rather have it that way. It's funny when enough people don't get the show that they try to interact as if we do a serious sports show and then it and then it becomes them yelling at clouds, basically. You need them to be part of the joke. Oh well, they are the joke. They don't get that they're the joke, but they are the joke. Some people get the show. Devin gets the show, Braden gets the show. Our scores of listeners, now that we're up three hundred percent in the ratings, they get the show. 
Those are my snowflakes. Yeah, Mike Prasuda gets the show too. By the way, Prasuda gets royalty. the show. Oh, big breakthrough! Yeah, when it comes to the hockey game at PPG Paints Arena. Yeah, we might be doing it. Uh, like we might be. We're getting closer to doing it than we were on Friday. On Friday, I emailed a dude, and that dude emailed me over to another dude, and this dude's in charge of more dude stuff at PPG Paints Arena. That's good stuff. That's movement. It is. Like, this thing's really going to happen, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. I'm psyched. Now Now we got to figure out who's going to do what, who's going to call the game, when we're going to run it live. Like, there's so much that's going to happen now. Yeah, I don't really feel like organizing it, but I'm no, going to have to. I got, I, I'll handle the back-end stuff. We can have Joe do it. Yeah, Joe could do it. Yeah, Joe could, Joe could figure it out. Yeah. i got to focus on my high-end 300% growth radio show. Penguins kicked ass last night. Well, in the early going. Then they got their ass kicked. And then they kicked ass again. They showed balls winning a couple in a row going into the break. And let me say this about them. When Crosby's at the top of his game, when Malkin plays the way he played last night, when Phil Kessel plays the way he played last night, when Matt Murray plays well, you can't convince me that this team's not a cup contender. How do you play them for a seven-game series? Boston gave them the best punch that they had, and still it wasn't enough. Boston's been blowing people out of the damn barn lately, and guess what? It wasn't enough to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins hadn't won back-to-back games in a month, and they do so going into their break. That was a huge two points for Pittsburgh. It was a huge two points against the Islanders, and their stars have been playing well now these last couple of games. Crosby, third star of the week. Named by the NHL. Not that that really means anything, but what it does mean is he's played well. We've kind of been waiting for him to play well. And here he is. In fact, he told our friend Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette that he doesn't think he's going to be invited to the All-Star game. Now, isn't that naive of Sidney Crosby? Of course you're going to be invited to the All-Star game. You're the only hockey player half the country's heard of, so you'll be there. But Crosby says he hasn't played like one. Well, he has the last two days. And his pass to Evgeny Malkin at the end of the second period was... Nice. Twas. It was sexy. It was picturesque. It was hot. Crosby goes to the corner. He looks behind him prior to going to the corner. And then sets Malkin up. The only place he could have put the puck where Malkin would have buried it and they would have done it without the time expiring. That dude realizes what time of year it is, and he is going to explode after the break. I really believe that. Malkin, same thing. The sense of urgency was there. But maybe the most important thing to come from yesterday's Penguins game was that when Tristan Jari got yanked, and not in a good way, because there is a good way to get yanked. Nice. Matt Murray came in and played lights out. Matt Murray came in and didn't give up a goal. Matt Murray stopped that douchebag Brad Marchand on the penalty shot. Is there a more unlikable player in hockey than Brad Marchand? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Brad Marchand is and looks like a weasel. He looks like a rodent. And he's the size of one, and he's a really good hockey player, but he's a piece of bleep. It was beautiful to see him get stoned. And then he goes to the bench, and NBC zooms in. And you just see him mouth the F word. Nice. Suck it. Marshan. And then there's that guy, Hacks with Hags, who I follow on Twitter. 
He works for NBC Boston, and he's the guy who trolled Penguins fans back in 2011 when the Penguins got, or 2013, pardon me, when the Penguins got smoked by Boston. He is such a homer. That's the only radio safe word I could say. He's such a homer. And coming into the game, he's tweeting, oh, Penguins aren't playing well. Boston's one of the best teams in the league. And they have been. But then they play a team that's been there, won the last two Stanley Cups. Boston gives them their best shot. Uh-oh. 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 God, I hate Boston. I need the Steelers to win this weekend. Because I'm going to get WEI all pissed off at me. That's the goal. If the Steelers play the Patriots, get WEI pissed off. I'd try to piss off uh, Jacksonville radio station. I don't know if it could happen. Anyhow, that's just my ADHD, ADD taking me off my topic there. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, It's not professional of me at all. That was very Trumpian, in fact, of me there. When the Penguins get contributions from their stars, they're really tough to beat. And how about Crosby's line with Sprong and Dominic Simone? Although we're probably going to find out two years from now, he pronounces it Simon. It's going to be like Connor Sherry. Uh, Actually, guys, uh, the whole time it's been Simon. You've been saying Simone because you got to try to make it sound fancier for hockey. He's been okay. Sprong. He actually back-checked in the first period. Which is something that I was told he did not do. He's terrible away from the puck. He's not good whenever he's playing defense. Well, he back-checked. He looked good there. Phil Kessler used to not back-check. He does now, too. You can learn it. It's not that hard. Now, being in the correct spot defensively, that's an issue. But we'll take the baby steps. He's got the most shots in the league since he's been called up. And he's got a freaking howitzer, and he's got a hell of a release, and it seems like he's got pretty good chemistry with Sidney Crosby. The last two seasons, when new blood has been injected, the Penguins have taken off. A couple of years ago, they made all those trades. Connor Sherry came in. Well, actually, it was Sherry at the time. Last year, Connor Sherry plays really well. Jake Gensel gets injected into the lineup. The Penguins take off. This year, they haven't had the scoring depth. But you add somebody with the talent of... Daniel Sprong, and guess what? It trickles everything down, and this kid can play. And Mike Sullivan mentioned the other day that the best-case scenario for Pittsburgh is to have Malkin and Crosby and Kessel on three different lines to balance the scoring. And you had some of that last night. I've been trying really hard every time the Penguins win not to be the guy who goes, they're turning it around, they're going to change the way that they play. But last night, to me, showed a level of maturity that we haven't been seeing from this team this season. They could have easily folded after they blew a two-goal lead. They're up 3-1, to one, all of a sudden they're down 5-3. to three. It would have been easy to cave, they didn't. The power play, which always seems to bail them out, bail them out. But they did some damage 5-on-5, five five, and then in overtime, I mean... Pfft. You can't be better than the Penguins are at 3-on-3 three three overtime. Holy crap. Holy crap. Malkin and Kessel... They're sublime. They're sublime, man. I said prior to this weekend's games that the Penguins needed to play the hot goalie. And they do. And that, up until last night, had been Tristan Jari. I think last night passes that baton. 
into the hands of Matt Murray. He found it. He was great last night. Now, he got beat on the Brad Marchand goal. Well, what would have been the goal on the penalty shot? He got beat, but he stopped it, if that makes sense. Marchand did exactly what he wanted to. He got the ball, the puck, pardon me, in his five hole, and the save was made. But ultimately, the save was made, and the Penguins responded to adversity. It's tough to do when you get punched in the mouth to come right back. That is such a momentum sucker when you're up by a couple of goals, and then all of a sudden you're down a couple of goals. Penguins withstood it. Penguins hung in there. Penguins won the game. I'm encouraged. I think that they've turned the corner. 412-922-2874. They are going to get totally bleeped coming out of this break, though. Chris Letang talked on NBC last night and said, we're happy that we get this break. We played more hockey than anybody else in the league. We deserve this break. We need it. And then you look at the schedule, and the Penguins are going to play four of the first six games, two back-to-backs, right out of this thing. Right out of the bye. So they're going to get bleeped by it a little bit there, too. Up next, Vince Comiel. He knows his hockey. He's from the point of Pittsburgh. He'll join me next. You're listening to The Crowley Show. So this dude there from the New York Daily News, Manish Mehta, tweeted at, Patriots Bill Belichick and Tom Brady might get lucky and face three cupcake quarterbacks on road to sixth Super Bowl title. Bro. What an easy column to write. I mean, are, are you just you going for the lowest hanging branch? Yeah, they very well might. They very well might not. The Steelers got Blake Bortles this week. That's a cupcake quarterback. They're going to beat the cupcake quarterback. Because good quarterbacks beat cupcake quarterbacks. Therefore, New England ain't getting the cupcake quarterback next week. Get out of here, Manish. Meta. Alliteration aside, that is a difficult name to pronounce. A lot of hockey names are tough to pronounce. Wow, what a transition. Vince Cominal, our buddy, Point of Pittsburgh, joins me here on the Crowley Show. Vince, thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, anytime. That was a ballsy win last night, was it not? Yeah, it was. We've seen that uh, same scenario play out earlier in the season, and the team basically uh, looks like they gave up. But not, not so last night. They uh, they came back out in the third, looking like uh, they wanted to win the game, and eventually they did. Biggest play of the game, Crosby's feed to Malkin? Um, yeah, even the uh, the Boston coach, uh, I usually go to the uh, visitor's locker room after the game, and he said that was probably where they gained most of their momentum from, uh, scoring that goal with three seconds left in the second period. Uh, he, he thought that kind of time turned the uh, tide for them. And then, of course, the uh, penalty shot stop was also probably the next biggest play in the game. Yeah, I'd say so. I think Matt Murray got a little lucky on the penalty shot stop. But, hey, he stopped it. And nothing makes me happier than when Brad Marchand gets that bleep-eating grin off his face. Yeah, Marchand actually said that he uh, he had the opening there, but the puck got stuck in snow. But if you watch the replay, it didn't really get stuck in snow. It actually hit the top of uh, Murray's pad. So uh, I don't know about that one. But uh, needless to say, the Penguins won the game. So They did, and I don't think that it got stuck in the snow. He had an opening. He just missed it. And, you know, sucks to suck, Mr. Brad Marchand. Vince Commonal, Point of Pittsburgh, longtime Pittsburgh Penguins writer, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Vince, the pass Crosby made – 
to Malkin prior to the second period expiring. How many players in the game do you think make that play? Uh, probably one. <laughs> probably Crosby. Because because not only is or there very few players in the league that can make that pass, but the guy on the other end has to actually be expecting that pass. And there's very few players in the league that would ever expect a pass like that to come out of the corner, let alone right on their tape. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And not only did he get the pass off, but he put it right on the tape of Evgeny Malkin without looking. Now, he looked first to see where Malkin was going to be, but, uh, man, we are so blessed to get to watch this guy on a daily basis. I don't want to take it for granted. I I want to point it out to people just how damn good of a play that was. Yeah, and you're right. We've seen it for so many years. Not only with Crosby, but, you know, we've had Mario here and Yager, you know, Kovalev, guys like that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we do sometimes take for granted the plays that Crosby makes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, appreciate that one because there, there are very few, if any other players in the league, well, two players, really, that can that connect on a play like that. Because, like I said, the, the other guy on the other end has to be expecting that pass and finish it. And there are very few players in the league that can finish that play as well. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, years, years from now, we'll look back on that, on that goal, uh, in the, uh, Crosby Malkin, uh, highlight reel. And sure. I think we might look back on it later on this season as perhaps one of the turning points of this team. Hell, they hadn't won back to back games all month. They win back to back games going into their bye week. I think that's huge. As for Crosby overall, he started the weekend, and I've done homework for the show today. How about that? For that guy in Wheeling last week who said, this Crowley, I don't know what he's talking about. Crosby was 30th in the league in scoring going into the weekend. He's now 14th. He's had a great couple of games. It's almost as though he's understanding that this is the most important time of the year. Yeah, and, I mean, we've seen Crosby go into some funks before, but he's always gotten out of them and I mean all of a sudden like you said you look he's 14th in the league he's only four points behind Kessel now for uh top tops on the team and uh he's essentially averaging a point a game now which for by his standards isn't great but by any other mortal NHL uh player standards that's pretty good it is although he's not mortal Vince Common will join me here on the Crowley Show point of Pittsburgh big time hockey writer uh Vince Evgeny Malkin when he scored the goal with three and a half seconds left, he went bonkers. He jumped, uh, well, it wasn't a great vertical, but he jumped, I think, about as high as Evgeny Malkin can jump. And then after the goal to win the game, he gave one of the great celebrations we've really seen him give. I I think that the team feels this right now. It seemed to me like they played with a playoff desperation last night, and it seemed to me like the feeling was palpable with everyone. Yeah, I agree. I think that the team is is not that they weren't engaged the whole season, but I just think they're more engaged now. I think that uh, they they were rejuvenated by that game on Long Island the other night, and I well not on Long Island in Brooklyn, but uh, I think that uh, they were rejuvenated by that game. Uh, you could see it with Crosby. Um, I, it just seems like in the cutaways to Crosby, he's talking more on the bench. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he, he's looking at the the iPad. He, he's He's just really um, engaged in the game, and like I said, not that he wasn't engaged before, but he just—it just seems like he's—he's he's really coming around, and it, it seems like the whole team is as well. And we've seen this work time and time again. With you know, you inject some youth into the lineup from Wilkes-Barre. It happened with uh, Connor 
Sherry, don't call me Sherry. Um, it, it, it worked with uh, Jake Gensel last year, and, I mean, it's a very small sample size, but it seems to be working with uh, Daniel Strong, and uh, wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Zach Aston suffer before the end of the year either. Definitely not. The Penguins have needed depth, and this adds depth without having to go out and spend money on said depth. Bro, Daniel Sprong, I think he's leading the National Hockey League in shots since he's been called up, and boy, does he have a good one, man. I have not... I haven't seen him in Wilkes-Barre because, uh, unfortunately, for the people of uh, the middle of the state, they aren't going to see me because why the bleep would I go there? He is the real deal as far as I'm concerned with his offensive ability. That shot is unbelievable. It's hard, and it's a quick release. The two, the two things I really like about Sprong are he's not afraid to shoot the puck regardless if he's playing with Sidney Crosby or not. We've seen far too often Great guys. Great point get on Crosby's line and they want to force feed him the puck and he wants to force feed them the puck and nobody shoots the puck. He's not afraid to shoot the puck at all. Um, yeah, you're right about that stat going into the game last night. The only guy that had more shots on goal since, uh, December 31st was, uh, Brent Burns, but he literally shoots the puck every time he has it. So, um, but, uh, yeah, Sprong had 17 shots in his four games going into last night, and he, he he only had one shot last night, which is rare for him. And then the other the other thing I like about, other than he shoots puck every time he has it, is he's right-handed. And that, that works out great for Crosby because he, he loves to feed that guy coming down that wing, and he's on his natural hand getting the puck rather than, you know, getting it on your backhand and then trying to have to flip it over. So... I think that uh, those two things are going to bode really well for Daniel Strong playing with Crosby. I'm turning into a big Alexiak fan. Uh, yeah, I am as well. I think that uh, for a big guy, he can really skate. And I I think that I, I really like his shot. It's not a big, booming shot, but it's a very simple shot. He gets it low and on net every time he takes it. And I think that that uh, – I, I, I actually tweeted that last night. I said – you know, as good as Chris Letang is, he could take a lesson from that Alexiak oh, shot. Yes. Sure enough, the, the next goal that went in, Letang just took a little bit off of his shot, got it on net, and it went right in. And, uh, you know, uh, Tuka Rask uh, said after the game that he played like uh, horse bleep, uh, which is kind of funny and refreshing in a way to hear somebody talk that way about their own game. But uh, needless to say, though, those shots, they're hard for goalie. If they're on net, you know, the traffic in front, uh, the, you, more often than not, those shots are going to go in if you get them on net and low to the ice. If Tuka Rask played like horse bleep, what did Tristan Jari play like? Um, about the same, I would say. he. Uh, I think the, the, the bloom fell off last night. Uh, not that he's, uh, I mean, let's, let's be honest, he's played great, but I think... Uh, Maybe he just showed a little bit last night. He's not ready for prime time quite yet. Don't get me wrong. He's a, he's a great goaltender. The Penguins are very lucky to, to have such great goaltending over these past few years. But, uh, I mean, he played phenomenal on Long Island uh, in getting the shutout. But I think that especially the, the fourth and fifth goals last night, he, he really needs to be hugging the post on the, on those uh, shots. And he just, uh, just wasn't on the post and left wide open, uh, Spaces for the Bruins to shoot, but I think he'll be fine. And you know, honestly, I think that he is a very valuable trade commodity for the Penguins. If if it if it came down to that, and they wanted to make a move, I think that a lot of teams would really want to have a good young goaltender like that. So uh, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be traded, uh, but you know, he's he's 
the same age as Matt Murray, so he's never going to get the starting job here. So it could be, you know, it could be a valuable trade piece, but I, I think he'll be fine. I think you'll see him back out there and he'll be fine. It's just that, uh, you know, even the best goalies have a bad game, and he certainly had one last night. They do, and Matt Murray has certainly in December. He played great last night whenever he got called in. And I know that Mike Sullivan said he was going to play the hot hand. The hot hand was Jari. Now the hot hand is all of a sudden Matt Murray, and maybe that's all it would take to kind of get into the young man's head. Look, they need Matt Murray to play like he has in the playoffs these last couple of years. The guy that they've had to this point isn't going to cut it with the way that the team has played. I'm wondering if this is going to be a turning point for him, too. Well, it seems like the winning formula for Murray is to just bring him in and release. He came in in the Flyers game, made 11 saves, didn't give up a goal, and he came in in relief last night and made six oh saves. Oh, my God. He's won the Casio. The guy can't start, but he can come in in relief. Yeah, so he, he's the closer. They just uh, I think that's the winning formula there. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, I think that uh, – you know, he's had some nagging injuries. I think that uh, he's tried to play through some nagging injuries. I think that hasn't helped. Uh, not to make excuses for the guy, but, uh, you know, he, he it seems like every night he has that one bad goal that he's given up. And, unfortunately, it seems like that one bad goal is always happening at the worst possible time in the game. But uh, I think he'll be fine. I think that this week off will be will be good for him. He, he essentially only had to play one period last night. Uh he he got to watch in the Islanders game, and now he has a whole week off. I think that that will uh, do him probably more good than a lot of the other players on the team. So I I think he'll be fine. And like we've seen, we have, we the uh, Penguins have a very uh, capable backup if if he should uh, falter. No doubt about it, Vince. Really appreciate the time, man. Hey, anytime. There he goes, Vince Cominal, the point of Pittsburgh, and Vince will be taking part in our media hockey game. Wherever it may be. I mean, we're shooting for PBG Paints Arena. But if it's outside, we'll play outside. I keep seeing these tweets pop up because I follow a lot of NFL writers and I follow them from every different city. And I'm seeing stuff pop up from Titans writers about the scouting report and how they match up, how they match up with this, how they match up on offense, how they match up on defense. Hey, Titans, you're effed. You don't have a shot. You're not going to go up and win in New England. Although, I was shocked to hear Matt Williamson give him an 18% chance. That seems high to me. It seems like 18% too high, if I can be honest. I've seen Dick LeBeau's defenses get shredded by that guy for my entire life. Now, they do play more man coverage than they used to, but it's Dick versus Brady. And Dick always loses to Brady. Nice. It's true. Always happen. Coming up next, why the Steelers should be happy that they're playing Jacksonville this time around. And you watching that natty tonight? You watching ball? I'm going to, but only for Braden. It's the Crowley Show. So I'm all kinds of gassy and nauseous. It's because I'm taking this pill for this cyst on my head. Trying to shrink this MFR with antibiotics. And the antibiotic I take, they say you have to drink a full glass of water with it. You have to have a full stomach. And you can't lie down for 10 minutes after taking it. Or you will have the worst heartburn of your life. And it'll make you nauseous. I've been nauseous for the better part of the last three days. And this thing's still the size of a damn unicorn horn. 
If I could throw up, that wouldn't be that bad. That might help the six-pack thing. But it's just crippling nausea. Very frustrating. That and I've been trying to wean myself off of sugar, and I just ate 320 calories. Pretty much all of it sugar. In fact, it is all sugar. I mean, what else would it be? Yeah, it's pretty much all sugar, man. Yeah. Like 75-ish grams worth for you. Oh, God. And I'll, now I'm burping up this Oreo chili mash, and it just... What has my life become? <laughs> I'm upset. You're gonna have to get my belly button pierced. That's gonna suck so bad. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it's just getting worse and worse as you keep describing stuff here. Like, man, I ate cookies. I got this big thing on my head. Drink 15 my, beers. Yeah, 15 beers. Got to get my belly button pierced. Man, kind of sucks to be you, <laughs> like, listening to it. And things aren't coming up great for Crowley right now. Wow. In fact, I feel like I'm trying to lose this weight, and the weight's trying to escape, but it's doing so through my eyebrow. Three. And that's, that's what's going on here. <laughs> I've got this giant freaking thing. It's the size of a, it's the size of a, a marble. Yeah, it's pretty good. You got it hidden pretty well with a Band-Aid. That's why I'm wearing the hat today. Well, that and West Virginia's second-ranked team in the country in college basketball. But I'm trying to hide this damn thing. It's disgusting. It really is. And it's black and blue because the dermatologist is beating the bleep out of it. <laughs> no, just beating it? She shot me and she's like punching punching my She was eyebrow. punching the boil oh on your head. Uh, probably a little strong of a word, but yes. Wow. She goes, can you feel that? And I said... Well, yes and no. Like, there's always the, uh, no, I can't feel, like, the pain pain, but I can feel the pressure. Like, if you sit on my face, if, if my face was numb, and you sat on my face. <laughs> Whoa, what doctor are you going to? Nice. That's no doctor. <laughs> the diagnosis was good, so it was a happy ending. Nice. <laughs> so let's say she sits on my face, okay? Seriously, what doctor do you go to? I need a primary care physician. She's a dermatologist. Yeah, her too. Okay. <laughs> need one of them too. So she sits on my face. Nice. And let's say my face is numb. I'm going to feel the pressure. Nice. Just wouldn't feel the 412 <laughs> Ryan tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I always heard Brady is good at beating Dick. Nice. LeBeau, that is. Yep, happens all the time. Facts are facts. Facts are facts, man. FCC can't do nothing about the facts. I think the Steelers are salivating over Jacksonville coming to town. I really do. Now, once the Chiefs were out of the equation, I wanted them to play New England because I thought they had the best chance to beat them. Once they're out of the equation, I was really hoping for Buffalo to win because I would love Dick to come back here to Pittsburgh. I would love some Dick back yes. here. But it didn't happen. So you take Jacksonville. The Steelers, though, they're the opposite. They're like, yeah, we beat the snot out of the Titans. We don't need to beat them again. Let's beat Jacksonville because they drubbed us the first time. Mike Mitchell said today in the locker room that the Steelers are better playing a team the second time because you have a feel for them, and if you lose, you've got a revenge factor. Well, here we are, baby. Revenge is on the table. Ben said in his interview with Crook and Phony, quote, for me personally, I'd love to prove that five interceptions wasn't me in that game, end quote. 
Ben did throw five interceptions, but that's not who Ben is anymore, I don't think. It was the worst game the Steelers have played all season long. It was one of the worst games of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Steelers didn't have an identity. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know what they were trying to do. They didn't know if they should run the football. They didn't know if they should hand the football off. They did not know what they were doing. The Steelers threw the ball 50 times in that game. They'd go run heavy one week. They'd go pass heavy the next week. This week, 50 times, Jacksonville was baiting them. Well, let's say Jacksonville baits them this time. A lot of baiting and Dick LeBeau talk today. Nice. The Steelers can beat them now if Jacksonville has eight man in the box. Steelers will throw it over their head. I know they got Jalen Ramsey. I know they got good players. I know they got a good secondary. I know they get pressure on the quarterback. But if they bait you, the Steelers can take the bait and they can capitalize on that. That being said, I'd like to see him run the football a little bit, but they've got an identity now, and their identity is we can beat you a number of different ways. We're going to use Le'Veon Bell in the passing game and in the running game. So the first half of the season, they didn't know what they're doing. Ben Roethlisberger was playing like LeBeau. Get it? So the Steelers didn't have a chance against Jacksonville. But in the second half of the season, Ben's played like an MVP candidate. Ben will not play as poorly as he did against Jacksonville the first time. How do I know this? Because he hasn't been that guy since then. In week five, the Steelers gave up 231 rushing yards, including a 90-yard touchdown run by Leonard Fournette. Cam Hayward had this to say, quote, if we force them into situations where they have to pass and they can't run the ball, we can really create havoc and really force the quarterback into some bad mistakes, end quote. They're right about Bortles. Who tries hard, bless his little heart, but he's just a guy. This game reminds me a lot of last year's first playoff game with the Dolphins. I think the Jags are better than Miami. But in the first game against Miami, Ben had a quarterback rating of 57.1. That is awful. Ew, gross. He talked all week about needing to be better the second time around, and he was. He had a quarterback rating of 105.3. Not good with math, but that's almost doubling the quarterback rating. Steelers did double their offensive total, scoring 30 points in the game, whereas they scored 15 the first time around against Miami. Again, this team, much better than Miami Dolphins. But they're not dissimilar in the way that they get it done. I expect a lot of the same this time around. The Steelers know what to expect from Jacksonville. They're motivated, and I think they're going to drub them. I think they win by at least 10 points. I do. In the first meeting with Miami last year, the Dolphins had 222 rushing yards and 6.2 yards per carry. In the playoffs, the Steelers got their bleep together. Jacksonville, or pardon me, Miami had 52 yards on 2.5 yards per carry. The Steelers know they can't be bad against the run in this game. Because that's how you lose. Because Bortles can't beat you. Bless his heart. God love him. But he can't beat you. And they knew last year Matt Moore wasn't going to beat him either. Steelers will stop the run because they're determined to. And the Steelers have also been game planning for opponents very well recently. Steelers played a lot of man coverage against the Patriots. And the Steelers shadowed DeAndre Hopkins all across the field when they played in Houston. Now, that's not to say the Steelers need to play man coverage against Jacksonville. In fact, zone probably would work better. Blake Bortles would throw the ball to them 15 times. Plus, you got your eyes in the backfield. My point being, the Steelers do a really good job of doing what the offense isn't good at. 
they're not going to let the running game beat them. They're going to make Bortles beat them. Much like last year against Miami, the Steelers are looking forward to exacting some revenge. Even though the Steelers lost 30-9 to the first time, do you feel confident in their ability to beat the Jags? I do. For sure. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. That's 412-922-2874 at underscore Adam Crowley. Blake Bortles stinks, people. The Steelers are going to win this game because Blake Bortles can't play quarterback, and the Steelers will stop the run enough that Blake Bortles has to play quarterback. I foresee this circumstance. Blake, last week, they're playing in Jacksonville. Oh, it's windy. What's he going to do in the wind? Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so hard. It's windy. 70 degrees. Sun shining. Home game. 70,000 teal-clad fans. He's going to come to Pittsburgh on Sunday. There's going to be 68,000 people there who are screaming who are insane, who are waving their terrible towels, all dressed in black. Steelers are going to get the ball. They're going to score. It's going to be 7 nothing. Blake Bortles is going to take the field at the 25-yard line, and he's going to look at the Steelers' defense, and Poop's going to run down his leg. If you can only throw for 87 yards at home against Buffalo, what are you going to do against Pittsburgh on the road? You're going to poop down your leg. And it's... 15 degrees, so it's probably going to freeze and stick to your leg. You're going to peel it off and all your hair's going to come off. It's a bad day for young Blake Bortles. I'm sure he's a great guy. God bless him. He tries hard. He's tough, but come on. 87 yards at home with a quarterback rating of 75. 87 yards in the playoff game? There are dudes running wide open. He couldn't hit him. Watch the game. There were dudes running wide open. He could not hit them. Yikes. He didn't turn the football over. And some in the national media have said, well, he didn't turn the football over. At least he took care of the football and he got it done with his legs. Okay, he got it done with his legs, but he threw three balls right to the Bills. Could have been picked off three times. I said this this season. The Ravens aren't good. The Chargers aren't good. The Bengals aren't good. I nailed all that prior to the season, even when people were salivating over them. I was right on the Ravens and the Chargers all season long. I've been saying for a long time that Bortles will not beat Pittsburgh or New England in the playoffs, and that's because he won't, because he can't, because he's scared, and he played scared on Sunday, and he's going to play scared this Sunday. Eric, next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? Good afternoon. Hey, what's going on? You tell me. No, no. I think I have to agree with you for the most part, man. I think we'll handle business, and I think we're capable of beating them pretty handily. Um, I do respect their defense, man. They match up pretty well across the board, you know, even with Le'Veon Bell. I think they have fast and athletic linebackers that can keep up with them and cover them. But I think that overall, I mean, the Jacksonville, they're not ready for this caliber playoffs. I mean, the Bills had plenty of opportunities to beat them. You they know, did. And you know what, Eric? It's big boy round now. It's the divisional round. You got the big boys now. You got to go to Pittsburgh and win a playoff game. And as much as I do like the defense, too, they're a very good defense. In, in fact, they're the best defense, in my opinion, in the National Football League. As good as I think that they are, I think the Steelers have so many weapons and so many ways to beat you that Jacksonville will play a good game against them, and the Steelers will still wind up with 24 points. I think they'll wear them down. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. You know, so, and I think 
for them on offense, as far as the Jaguars on offense, you know, I think that when the Steelers focus on stopping a run, they do it, you know. So I feel yep. like just like when Cameron Hayward said, you know, if we force them in passing situations, uh, you know, that's when the Steelers will be in, in good hands. And I feel like we can force some sacks and turnovers, and I feel like we'll make a defensive play to, you know, put a touchdown on the board. But I like our chances. I do, too. Thanks a lot for the call, Eric. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Jacksonville's fine. And if you gave them a better quarterback, they're one of the better teams, I think, in the league. That's not how this works, though. You can't just give them a better quarterback. They got what they got, and that's Blake Bortles. And then they got Chad Henney as a backup. Those guys aren't coming into Heinz Field winning a playoff game. Now, the hope is that you can minimize their impact, but the only way that you do that is if you stop, is if you get a running game going. And they're not going to do that either, I don't think. Now, the Steelers have struggled stopping the run without Ryan Shazier. They've been giving up a lot of yards per carry. Not good. But if you believe Mike Tomlin, what he said a couple of weeks ago is against Houston, they gave up the ground game because they were just trying to take away what's going on in the passing game with DeAndre Hopkins. Against Cleveland, eh, wasn't a lot to play for. In this one, everything to play for. Everything's on the line. Everything. And the Steelers know that if they load the box, as good as the ground game is in terms of yards per game for Jacksonville, you can hold them to almost nothing yards per rush. They're not a great yards per rush team. And this, whenever you consider a 90-yard touchdown by Leonard Fournette, he's broken a couple of big ones this year. You can slow him down. You can force him into third and long. If it's third and six, you're happy with that. Because then Blake Bortles has to throw the ball. And Blake Bortles can't. They lose the game if they're playing at third and six. And I think the Steelers are in a position where they know that that's the case. And I think the Steelers are in a position where they can make sure that that's the case. 412-922-2874. Are you going to watch tonight's national championship game? Joe, are you watching tonight's national championship game? Part of it, yeah. Part of it before you fall asleep? Well, I'll be here until about 10, but I'll see the remainder. Okay. I'm intrigued because it's Kirby Smart. Former Saban assistant against Saban. There's always intrigue there. Kirby Smart is basically the closest thing you're going to get to Saban. Saban has pretty much said so, and Smart was the guy who's been there the longest out of all the coordinators who's gone on to have success. What irritates me, though, about this game, and we're going to hear from Alex Kirshner coming up in a few minutes from SB Nation, college football writer, is that you've got everyone touting that line that... Nick Saban is 11-0 against former assistants? Uh, okay, he's 6-0 against Derek Dooley and Jim McElwain. Uh-oh, those guys suck. Those are terrible coaches. Jim McElwain's a good defensive coordinator, not a good head coach, and Florida's had one of the worst offenses ever when he's been the head coach. And Derek Dooley, what the hell? Derek Dooley goes from Alabama to Louisiana Tech, then to Tennessee, where he was awful at Tennessee. These aren't good coaches that he's had a lot of success against, not to mention he's won 87% of his games anyhow. Like, it's not that big of a fluke that he's 11-0 against these guys. Now, D'Antonio, eh, he's a good coach. He's 2-0 against them, winning on average by 40 points a game. 
But he does that to everyone. God, please win Georgia. Please. I'm so sick of the damn Bama hype train. They deserve to be hyped. They're really good. They're better than everyone. They've got all the talent, but they're so freaking boring. We discuss with Alex Kirshner next, then back to football with Matt Williamson at 520. It's the Crowley Show.